Hello, I'm Karis. And I'm Rachel. And together we are the Therapy Sisters podcast, where we invite you to come home to yourself. We are therapists, sisters, and works in progress. Do you have a success story of overcoming something challenging in your life? We want to hear from you. Please email your story to thetherapysisters at gmail.com to be included in our regular installment of Own Your Story. We want to encourage fellow female journeyers with stories of success and growth. We want to note that although we are clinical therapists, this podcast is not a replacement for individual therapy and we are not here to give clinical advice. Please see our show notes for recommendations of therapists in your area. Hi there, this is Karis with the Therapy Sisters, and we have a couple of special invitations for you. First, we have started a private ladies-only Facebook community. Our mission with this community is to provide a supportive network of women to help facilitate connection, growth, and learning. Rachel and I will be showing up there regularly, and eventually we'll be providing lots of helpful resources, tips, tools, and guidance to help women connect to themselves and step into their most authentic, balanced lives. If this sounds interesting to you, the group is called the Authentically You Sisterhood. Second, we have a gift for you. If you are interested in digging deeper on the four areas of connection we covered in our first series, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational, we have written a guide with lots of ways to lean into each of those areas and with journaling prompts and exercises that will help facilitate the journey of coming home to your authentic self. You can find links to the Facebook group and to the guide in our show notes. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome. We are the Therapy Sisters. And as our name might imply, we are both sisters and therapists. I'm Karis. And I'm Rachel. And we just want to remind you that here on this podcast, we are not providing clinical advice, but rather insights and reflections into who we are and what we do for a living. We want to bring awareness and encourage balance and wellness, especially among the female population. If you would like to find a therapist, please see our show notes. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, we focus a lot on women. Ladies. Or people who care about ladies and we are ladies. Um, and probably, I don't know about your caseload, but I mean, I would say 80% of my caseload is are females, right? So Yeah. And statistically, women pursue therapy more often than men anyway. Yes. Yeah. So in our last few episodes, we've talked a lot about you know, what makes you who you are, particularly as a woman, including the will of identity. And, and really, you know, there are so many parts uh, that are part of all the wonderful things that make us women and make women women. And so we broke them down into four main areas in our last few podcasts. We'd encourage you to go back and listen, but they were physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational. Last time we talked about the relational needs of being, being a woman. And today we're going to be discussing role versus identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear so much from my female clients that they don't know who they are. Um, and they'll say things like um, they don't they don't know the difference from their role and who they are. So if I say, well, what makes you you? They'll say, well, I'm a mom or I'm a CEO of a company or I'm married or, um, you know, I'm a dog mom or whatever else. But then I say, no, but who are you? There's often a struggle and they often say they don't know and they ask what I mean. And so it means things like, you know, what is your character? What are your qualities? What makes you you? And so, you know, as we grow up, we fit into expectations of who we're intended to be. Um, if you are a mom or close to someone who has children, you kind of know there's nonverbal cues and expectations. Like I can look at my kids a certain way and they know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think when you think about it, our, 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 our roles 
um, aren't always spoken, but they are understood, you know, what's expected from your family of origin. And so oftentimes we learn how to fulfill a role to gain identity or to keep people in our lives or keep them happy as children. You know, I think about um, clients I have who, who we work through some things and they say things like, you know, I learned to be quiet so I didn't upset my parents. You know, I learned to walk on eggshells so I didn't ruffle feathers, right? So you kind of learn a role of being kind of meek in relationships because that's what's expected, right? Even if your parents never said, be quiet, don't do this, right? And you don't, you don't have a, in, in that you don't have a voice and then you don't know what your voice is. Well, and you don't even know that you can because you're little, right? right? So then you grow but up that's what and that affects... When, when you grow up, you don't have, you don't know what yeah, that voice yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. like yeah. Or, or how to right. assert yourself or what you even want. Or that you have a right to want things. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. right. And so I think it's so important to kind of, to mention that because I think that is not something that's anybody's fault. You know, when they come in, they're like, I don't know. Like that, the, we all have experiences that make us us, but the good news is we can shift those things in adulthood and change them now, Absolutely. right? And become healthier and have a voice. So, so your role is what you do. Your identity is who you are. And there is a distinction and it is important to identify it. Um, and the two can overlap. Um, you know, leaving people feel feeling insecure and unsure of themselves. So for example, I'm, I'm a wife. So these are my roles. I'm a wife. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a clinician. I'm a business owner. I'm a friend. I'm sure I have more. I'm not mentioning. And if I put all my energy into doing my roles well, I may very likely end up not knowing, you know, who I am, but rather kind of the roles that I fill. And then I find my identity in my roles. So I'm, I am, you know, for lack of a better term, what people often say is I'm just these things. And it's so, um, that feels like such a limited belief. Like you're not just these things. These are, these are roles that you fulfill. You have so much more of you that makes you, you. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I think if I know my identity, which are more characteristics of self. So for me, like I'm compassionate, I'm empathetic, I'm insightful. I'm funny. I really value humor, (laughs) enjoyment. I'm loyal. I'm intentional. I'm organized I'm communicative. And so, those those characteristics impact my identity impacts how I fulfill my roles. So um, rather than my roles giving me my identity. So knowing your identity and your worth can help in having boundaries within your roles too, um, because you know yourself and your limits. So an example of that is um, going back to the example we gave earlier, if you were kind of taught to be quiet, if you know you're, you're um, let's say you're an advocate and you have a voice, like you use your voice for, for just things or to advocate for your child in school or, you know, advocate for better pay at work or whatever. If you realize that your voice is a value, then, um, then you utilize that voice in whatever role you're in rather than because you're in this role, you become this person. So that's the distinction, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the importance of differentiation is, you know, we hear clients say all the time, like, I don't know who I am. And it's always, I don't know if you experience this, but when I start talking to clients about a lot of my clients struggle with their confidence or their self-worth, and I don't even know if they even are fully aware of that until we start kind of diving in what that means, you know? Right. And so when I ask things like, even, even what do you enjoy? Like, what do you enjoy doing? Or how do you enjoy spending your time? A lot of times, as we talked about in past, um, past podcasts about emotion regulation and self-care and all of those things, um, they just don't know because they don't do any of those things. Right, because they're so busy fulfilling all the, all the tasks within their roles. Mm-hmm. And all the expectations, and right? Expectations and if you that. find your value in that, then you're going to be left just kind of tired, right? So 
I just hear, I don't, I don't know who I am. It's almost like a, a puzzled. I mean, it's a, it's such a distinct look on their face when I ask the question because they've been fulfilling the roles for so long. I mean, even as children, we fulfill those roles. And if that never stops, you just keep fulfilling roles. Right. And then you end up being 40 years old in right. my office saying, I'm just really frustrated. You know, yeah, yeah. were you going to say something? I was just thinking about a, a client who, who exemplifies us really well. Um, uh-huh. A situation where somebody was like, you know, very similar to us, like a pastor's mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. So knew yeah. how to be what he needed to be. And this wasn't a female client, but knew how, knew how to be what he needed to be in that role. Like, this is how I act when I'm at church and, you know, my parents are around and the church people are around. Went to a school in a different town, took on another role to fit into that, mm-hmm. you know, the social setting of the school. This is who I am when I'm here. And then at home, had a whole different set of expectations. This is who I am here. This is how I, mm, how I make things yeah. work here. And then grows up and doesn't know. Now, so I ha- I've been fulfilling these three roles, but who really am I in all of this? And like, what do I want? And what do I think and believe? And how do I want to carry myself and all of that kind of stuff? So. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I think as you were talking, I was thinking about how that correlates with shame. Yes, absolutely. So closely, like kind of... Um, like like the parts, right? So like in, in this setting, I'm this person, in this setting, I'm this person, in this setting, I'm this person, but who am I really? And I, it's interesting because I feel like um, what I often kind of dig into with my clients is kind of, or kind of those, those shame narratives. Like you don't have permission to have a voice or right. you, you're three different people and that's not okay. And so then you're carrying on this shame narrative that continues this cycle and you don't even know that you're doing it. Right. So, I mean, shame, shame for, I mean, I think about, you know, shame forms so early. And I think about yes. like our nature versus nurture. Um, like just to give an example, a couple of weeks ago, my son, my son is a, very, he's six. He has a very high shame narrative, which does not come from us. So it's very innate. But the other day he was, um, he got some grapes out of the refrigerator and he dumped the whole bowl on the floor and they went everywhere. <laughs> and I was, I walked out of the, I walked out of my room and I said, buddy, what's going on? And he was bawling. Don't look at me. Go away. Don't talk to me. Go, go away. And I knew that he was feeling like shame, like so bad about this silly grape that fell on the floor, you know? And so I just bent down and I started picking up with him and I've been talking about like what shame is and how we believe about ourselves and that they're just, it was just a mistake. It's no big deal. So like if nobody is intervening in those moments, he's left to his own device to believe that he really messed up. And then that continues to build through adulthood or or worse. So the intervention is punitive in nature. It absolutely. reinforces yeah. that, sh- that, that innate sense of, of shame. I did something wrong, you know, therefore, yeah. therefore I did something wrong. Therefore something's wrong with me. Yep. Which is also why regulation as a parent is very important to be oh able gosh. to breathe before you yes. react because saying things like, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Which we've all done it before. But if right. that's like, if that's what your child is hearing from you, which I think a lot of us did grow up that way because that was the generation of parenting that we experienced. Like most of my clients have grown up with a similar um, narrative because that's just what they knew. That's what their parents knew, right? Mm-hmm. So going back, um, I, you know, I, I think I, um, I have to, I have to really talk to clients about um, the difference between fulfilling roles in their identity and and validating like why the fulfilling roles is so exhausting because essentially you neglect your identity or your needs, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think thinking back on the emotional, spiritual, relational, physical needs that we've talked about, how do you meet any of those if you don't even know what you need? Right. 
if you're just meeting roles for everybody else, or even for you, the expectation of what you should be, which again, should is a distortion, you could be, right? You're just going to constantly be overwhelmed and frustrated. Right. So knowing your characteristics helps give insight into who you are, what you need, and how your roles benefit from that instead of you benefiting or really deteriorating from your roles. Yeah. So um, there's, I have a worksheet that I give to clients that goes through different characteristics of who you are because a lot of times people just can't figure out um, you know, what that looks like. And so it's things like, it's like a whole list of qualities. So things like practical, mature, strong, trusting, positive, funny, optimistic, enthusiastic, balanced, innovative, tolerant. And so these people are like, oh, okay. And then, and then, oh, that's, is that a good thing? Those are good things. Mm -hmm. Because even in that, like being sensitive for me was negative for so long. Mm -hmm. So learning to really foster that is like, that's a really a gift and that's really a connectedness piece. So there's just so much that goes into your identity and why it's important to kind of, to kind of know that and be able to reflect on that. So absolutely. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, knowing what you do in your role. So as a mom, a wife, a daughter, sister, friend, um, it just, it just can be really easy to lose your identity when you're just fulfilling them. Right? Absolutely. I sort of feel like we have to, like we have to, <laughs> two upbringings or we grow up twice. Like, so we have our original yeah, upbringing. I love we grow it. up. Yeah. We, you know, we're, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but we're kind of, we're conditioned according to like our families yep. and the values they teach us and the expectations they have. Mm -hmm. And then you reach adulthood. Mm -hmm. And if you have any, if you have any desire to like grow or work on self-awareness or something forces you to become yeah. more self-aware then it's like your second mm -hmm. <laughs> your second birth or your second yeah. upbringing where you have to unpack all right. that stuff from your first upbringing and then figure out okay well who am I really and then how right. do I you know you're talking about you know meeting your needs and knowing what those are and I just want to validate that that is a process the way it took you oh it's such a process the way it took you mm -hmm. however many years old you are to grow up to who you are now like that just continues you don't ever you know, we talked about this concept of journey versus destination. You don't ever arrive. Mm -hmm. It just, it takes time and it takes paying attention and awareness to really figure out how to nurture those parts of yourself. So, you know, in the, in the beginning, when we're born, we are born into an, an identity, right? Like, so yep. Yep. when you think of that wheel of identity that we've shared a couple of times, um, your culture, your race, your socioeconomic status, you know, mm -hmm. your religion, all those kinds of things, you're born into that initially. So you kind of are ascribed to this identity at birth. Um, and then in childhood, we're shaped into roles according to that ascribed identity. So you become a student, yep. you are a child, you are a sibling, you are a friend, right? And we pick up, you know, messages about how to function within those roles and really how to survive and achieve a sense of belonging within those roles. Cause we all have that innate mm -hmm. kind of wiring for belonging, right? That's such a strong drive of course, in, in of every course. human being. I have that talk yeah. a lot, just quick side note with people who feel like something's wrong with them because they need people or they want, they want people, they want a relationship or they want a friendship. Like what's wrong with me that I just can't function alone. Well, there's nothing wrong mm. with you. That's normal. You're not meant to function alone. You're not alone. meant to. The fact that yeah. you want connection yeah. makes you human. Like, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. And every everybody wants it, unless you're like a sociopath or a narcissist <laughs> and you're incapable of that. Everybody wants it, right? So, And everybody needs everybody it. Needs you know, when you think it. about even like 
is children, like attachment theory. There's a yes. reason connection matters. It doesn't change. It just shifts in the relationship, right? So yeah, everybody exactly. needs it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, that was just a quick side note. So based on your family yeah, of origin, no, sure. those roles become what we measure our value mm-hmm. and worth by. And this, this happens a lot, like in the parent-child dynamic. Like yeah. if I'm behaving the way my parent wants me to behave, then my parent, I receive my parents' love and affection. If I misbehave, I receive mm-hmm. separation or punishment, right? And so we learn- It's conditional. That, yes, mm-hmm. the ways in which we carry out our roles define if we have value and belonging. And so it, from right off the bat, it's very confusing. <laughs> and those two get very, very blurred as far, and we tend to learn to, to define our identity by those roles and how we fulfill mm-hmm. them. So some of the roles that I had as a child were the eldest. So I was the, the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a pastor's daughter. I was a writer from a young age. I loved to write. It was very creative, very in my head. I was a student. I was mm-hmm. a musical student. I took piano lessons. I sang. And I knew exactly what those roles required of me and how to measure myself by them. So if I mm-hmm. practiced piano mm-hmm. for an hour every day, I was fulfilling that role. And then I could show up at my lesson and I could do well and receive the reward of the praise of my teacher or the feedback or whatever. You know, if I was a student or as a student, I, if I, you know, did well on my assignments and turned them in and got good grades, I was fulfilling that role. And so in some ways, like it becomes a list of checkboxes, right? Like if I'm doing this and this and this and this, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. So I almost think, I almost think we pretty much what everyone learns is... (laughs) how to fulfill roles and not how to know who they are. Mm. So, you know, the, the idea of identity, it sounds super simple, like who you are, super simple, but it's, oh, it's so not, far more complex so complicated. than that. Yeah. Mm. And when we start to vet, and can it, yeah. I was going to say real quick too, like um, it's really hard to celebrate yourself too when you, when you don't, when you feel like you just have to check boxes to be accepted. Right. Cause there's that connection, right? Like, if, if you learn as a child, and I even know this in my kids, they're, I mean, they're younger than your kids, but like if I respond in a way that's positive, sometimes my daughter would keep doing that thing and it's great, but I always am in my mind of like, I, w- I hope she knows she can not do that thing and she's still loved, right? Because like I want her to have that acceptance, you know? And, and But I think when you think about it, like, um, so like if you're always, if you learn as a child to check off boxes, right? Then you learn to keep checking boxes to find acceptance instead of true authentic acceptance. Yes. Right? So you're only accepted. You cannot have connection. You can't if you're just behaving. There's no authenticity right. and like, and then there's no permission to be who you are because you don't even know what that right. is because you're just checking a box, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yes. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can't have connection without authenticity. You can't have authenticity without vulnerability. And vulnerability is scary as heck, right? Like, so we could do we could and, do like five podcasts on that. <laughs> yes, um, or just refer everybody to Brene Brown. Um, <laughs> yes, we could do that much easier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just let me give you an example though of kind of like this idea of how these things manifest in childhood and how like you know that role versus identity piece. So we were we picked the kids up from school really earlier this week and. My oldest is in seventh grade. My youngest is in fifth grade. And my oldest decided that he would like to apply to be uh, what's called a web leader. And what that means is it's eighth graders who mentor fifth graders coming in. So they do like, they help with the orientation and they help. And he had to go through a whole application process and, you know, all of that. And he did that all in his own initiative. And so he happily handed me a letter 
when he got in the car and the letter was, congratulations, you have been selected as a web leader. And so I shared with him the story about how when he was in preschool, his um, preschool teacher and my, my kids went to a Montessori preschool and we absolutely loved it and they thrived there. And, and what I, one thing I loved in particular was how well those teachers could, could really inform me about my kids because they could see things mm-hmm. from a different perspective and make sense of it in ways that I maybe hadn't. So I told him that one of the things that kind of surprised me because he was, he's always been like kind of a more quiet kid. He, well, unless you know him, but in crowds and in groups, yeah. he's a more quiet kid. <laughs> more introverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's very introverted, very introverted. Um, he, he does like, he does the right, he follows the rules. He goes with the flow. He's pretty easygoing, like in those settings. Yeah. So, but what she told us when he was three years old, maybe four is that, Hey, he's a leader. He's a leader, but he's mm-hmm. a quiet leader, which means, and what she meant by that, she defined it for us. Like he's self-assured. He knows what he wants and he just, he does those things. So he's not easily influenced by the, by the people around him. He does his own thing. Mm-hmm. And then people follow that example. And so I mm-hmm. just shared that with him because I said, I feel like, you know, those leadership qualities have always been in you and that's part of who you are. And that's really neat to see you express them in this role. And mm-hmm. then my daughter says, what about me? What about me? <laughs> and so the <laughs> idea of like, we need to belong and we need to be like, what about mm-hmm. me? And I said, what about you, sweetie? And she said, well, what did they say about me? And she needed to hear that too. Like, here's, here's what, you know, your teacher observed about you and these are, things about who you are and those things about who you are help determine how you carry out those roles. So yep. and anyway, mm-hmm. when but when we start to evaluate or ascribe our worth to our sense of identity based on the roles we fill, that's where we lose ourselves. So I think mm-hmm. of I think of the roles we fill absolutely as those boxes that we mentioned. And so we have to we have to step outside the check boxes which those can feel very safe, right? feel very mm-hmm. safe, very secure. I know oh, they are. if I'm doing A, B, C, D, that I'm okay, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't always do A, B, C, D and we can't always do it well. And well, and I think, I think too, like there's a cost too, right? Yeah. Like they're safe. It's like almost like a trauma response. Like it keeps you safe until it doesn't work for you anymore. Right. So the cost is what? Like you can keep like in your perceived quote safety, but the cost is going to be what? Yeah emotional exhaustion, not connecting to other people. I mean, there's a lot that goes into checking your boxes. So there's a perception of safety, which makes sense, especially if you've been checking boxes since you were little. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't mean you still can't check boxes. It just means it has to shift on what works for you, right? Right. And I think it comes down to, like you mentioned, you can't connect to other people. And I think like you can't connect to other people people. if you're not connected to yourself. And so that's what it comes down to is learning to connect with yourself and asking the questions of like, who I am, what do I need? And how do I, maybe, maybe you don't need to check all those boxes. Maybe there are some boxes you can just, you know, throw off the list. Yeah. And you're checking them because other people, (laughs) what? I said that would feel freeing Yeah, and maybe scary. (laughs) Terribly scary. So in any, in any case, all that to say, this can create a crisis in adulthood when we don't realize who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think you talked about that earlier, you know, just this question of, mm-hmm. I don't know who I am, or I don't know, who, I, I, you know, yeah. I want to get back to myself, but people often don't know how to define what that is. Cause that's my first question. Okay. So what are we right. working to getting back towards? What does that mean? What are we working towards? Yeah. Who are yep. you? I don't know, but I know that I'm not connected to myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think too, I don't, I mean, I, I see this a lot with my, a lot with my clients who are moms. So, you know, you get married young, you start a career and then, you know, your kids are getting older and you're still in your career and you're exhausted and you hit a brick wall. Right. And so I think that's part of it. Like you can't, you cannot connect with who you were because you're not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And so part of Mm -hmm. what's cool is, or I guess freeing is you get to decide who you want to become. Like you get a choice in that. And I think that also can feel very scary because that feels like kind of, um, you know, uncharted territory, you're living in the unknown. Right. But it's also like you have the freedom to explore that, which is also natural. Like we all evolve. Like when you talk about growing up and growing up again, part of that is natural evolution, right? right? Like what do you believe and how do you, what do you value and that sort of thing? So um, that all makes, I mean, that all makes sense that you could find that in a new way. Right. And, and, And what are your experiences? How are your experiences changing things that you once held as like an absolute that now you maybe need to yeah. bend on a little bit or you need to come into the gray a little bit more from the, those black and white yep. kinds of um, ends oh, of the spectrum. Oh, that's so hard for people. It's so hard. Yeah. Black and, just like the yeah. check boxes, black and white feels black and white is safe. really safe. Yep. But the reality yep. is, and hear me on this, most mm-hmm. of the life is lived in the gray. It really is. And there's so much goodness in the gray. There's so much goodness in the gray. Freedom. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And I want to say to you from a therapeutic perspective, you know, if you're someone who um, isn't in therapy or even if you are, and this sounds very scary to you, there's a lot of work you can do with a therapist to work through the fear of that, right? Or what's holding you back in that to help you step into the freedom. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, try to dive in and be all about it. I think there's a process in that too. So if it's something that you're listening to and you're like, oh man, I would love that, but I can't do it. Then you probably should be with a therapist who can help you do it. Because a lot of times too, those fears are trauma responses because change is scary. Mm -hmm. And so even thinking about like our EMDR work, like being able to work through like what is really feeding the root of that and working through reframing that so that you don't have to respond or live in that way anymore. So there are, there's a lot of choice in this. It's not like we're saying, you know, Make a list and do it tomorrow or saying there's, you have choice. There is a power of choice. You get to decide if tomorrow you want to use your voice in one way, like you get to decide. And right? it's, and it's, so. ti- uh, and there's a whole bunch of tiny little baby steps that it is, add yep. up to the bigger leaps. So it's a marathon. It's one thing mm-hmm. at a time. And, and sh- after this um, series, we're actually going to talk about therapy and how do you find a good therapist yeah. and how do you find one? What do you look for in terms of like mm-hmm. <laughs> finding one that's going to actually help you <laughs> with what it is that you want to work on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So stay tuned for that for sure. But for now, yeah, we want to super important. We want to get into the habit of differentiating, differentiating what you do from who you are. So, for example, you dr- you might drive your kids to school and all over God's green earth, <laughs> and mm-hmm. every day of the week, right? And mm-hmm. though that's true, and though you may feel like one, that does not make you. A chauffeur, a chauffeur, right? That is a role. You fill the role of being a chauffeur, but your identity is not mm-hmm. being a chauffeur, a chauffeur, right? I don't know why I can't say that word. It's a real big word. It's a hard word. <laughs> it's, it's spelled weird. It's like French looking. I don't it's know. It's just too much, too much. <laughs> so what makes you, you? We know what you're saying. Yes. What mm-hmm. makes a driver? <laughs> what, what makes you, you? Um, some ways to start kind of exploring this is just by looking at how you interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Are you a peacemaker? Are you somebody who like at all costs will avoid conflict and try to make people happy and keep the peace? Are you more of a justice fighter? Like 
you will not stand for anything that feels unfair, unjust, mm. and you're going to speak out mm -hmm. about it. Are you super passive? Do you hold back? Are you aggressive? Are you a fighter? Are you driven? Are you laid back? How do you interact with the people and the things around you? A big one is what triggers you or creates an uncomfortable emotional experience within you. I know we've all mm -hmm. had those moments where it's like, Ugh, it's like that inner seizing of like, oh, that doesn't feel good or I don't like that. And we yeah. don't know why. That's a really, really, really great place to get curious. Mm -hmm. What just happened? You know, we talked about this in the physical. What just happened in my body? Something tightened up or something, you know, something shut down within me you can feel that physically yeah. a lot of times yep. and just just noticing those patterns what are the things that over and over make me uncomfortable or create mm -hmm. a, an emotional experience in you that you can't quite define these are clues to who you are which can be shaped by the roles you've taken on but our roles can also be shaped by who we are and you kind of mentioned that Rachel sure and our goal when well, I think to go ahead sorry but I think to what you're saying like about being curious. I think that's another place where some of that shame comes in. Like, I feel it's, I don't like it. I'm going to shut it down instead of like, huh, that's information. I need to be, I need to note that because you know, everything we experience is information and it's really everything. freeing to view it that way. Instead of like, what's wrong that I'm doing this? Right. Why am I reacting this right. way? Like being curious about like, okay, my body is communicating something to me. And I mean, it's interesting. Cause like if a, if a dog was chasing after you or you're running, going to attack you, you would have a reaction and you would know that that was okay. Right. right? But when it's like internal, our own, inner, our own reactions, when there's no like perceived threat that we can identify, even though there probably is or a trigger, it's just not a dog chasing you. So we tend to invalidate that. Like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Instead of like, okay, that like that had, I had a lump in my throat or like my chest felt really like nervous in that or right. My, my belly feels ooh, like before that meeting or the way that person spoke to you made me freeze. Mm -hmm. That is just information yep. for you. So you can get curious about what you need. And a lot of, and a lot of work in therapy is noticing that so you yeah. can move forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of compassion in, in embracing yeah. curiosity versus judgment. Yeah. So much of us are riddled with so much self judgment. And when you have, yep. when you are walking around through a lens of self judgment, you know, and viewing all of your experiences through that lens, it's impossible for you to kind of learn and grow from those clues, mm -hmm. right? So right. that's where curiosity and openness is really important. So if you take nothing else away, take that away. Like when yeah, you feel right? yourself- Just be curious. Yeah, when you feel yourself being judgmental, even be curious about that. Why am I judging myself? What is it that mm -hmm. I'm avoiding or kind of shying away from in this? Um, yeah. So our goal, and this is a big one, but our goal is to work towards integration. Yeah. So when we're into, we all have different, and without getting too lost in the weeds here, we all have different parts of us. So like, you know, mm -hmm. I, one part of me forever has been this really like acquiescing people pleasing part of me where I want mm -hmm. to keep people happy. Right. Then there's like this little bit of a bulldog in me that I can get really angry or I can get really, not that I'm an angry person, but I can get really like fired up about <laughs> things, right? Or really sure. maybe passionate is a, is, a, is a fairer word to use there. Um, there's, there's certain things that might trigger more, more childlike responses in me, mm. like a shutting mm -hmm. down or, you know, mm -hmm. things that probably were conditioned in our home growing up as a kid, right? Just by the dynamics and my own personality and all of that. And so integration means 
kind of being a whole person, bringing all these pieces Mm -hmm. of yourself together and acknowledging them for what they are. So a lot of that awareness building piece is just first recognizing what are the different aspects of who we are? What are the different pieces? Mm -hmm. What are the different, um, you know, identities within ourselves and bringing it together. So when we can integrate ourselves, we can bring all those different aspects of who we are into the roles that we fulfill. So for example, um, I'm a pretty intentional person. Mm-hmm. And as such, that permeates the rules I fulfill. So in my marriage, in my family, in my sibling and friend relationships, in my work with my kids, it's a little exhausting sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm always thinking about what can I do? How can mm-hmm. I reach out? Or what can, how can I, like for my kids, how can I connect with my kids? How can I make sure they are feeling loved they are feeling honored on like their birthday or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. And so that aspect yeah. of who I am can also, you know, I, every part of us we have to bring into check, right? Because that can also open me up mm-hmm. to like hurt mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. But embracing that aspect right. of who I am allows me to fulfill the roles in a way that feels authentic to me. Can I say something about that too? Of course. So, um, you know, you and I are a little similar. So we're both super intentional people. Mm-hmm. So like in that, when you said it can bring her in that is vulnerability, right? So that's why it's important to know yourself in that because when you're trying to foster friendships or relationships, like female friendships, I hear this all the time too. Um, being aware of yourself and what something provides to you or doesn't provide for you and choosing if you want to invest in that or not, right? So like, I have definitely been hurt being intentional relationships and it just not being reciprocated right. for a number of reasons, not even necessarily because they didn't like me just because like just prioritizing time or season yeah. of life or whatever, yeah. um, which has given me a lot of information about like, but I have these two friends over here who no matter what are always responding, always checking in, always whatever. And so now at this stage of life, I have my real small circle that are like, these are my four people and I will never let them go because of all the information I gained because I am intentional instead of shaming it. Like, why don't they like me? Why don't they respond? Right. Personalizing something where I was like, yeah, yeah. Which is a distortion. Right. So like, and you and you and I have talked about this in friendships, like that sucks or that hurts or whatever. And being able to validate like, well, maybe they're just, maybe that's just not who you need right now. And that's okay. And thankfully we have each other. Like we're very fortunate to love each other and be best friends and sisters, but like just the information of all of that, is really helpful to know so that you, you instead of viewing it in a way that can hurt you as much, like, and it does hurt. I'm not invalidating that. Of course it's going to hurt. Yeah. But instead of spiraling down a tunnel of that or putting walls up, okay, so now I need to figure out how I want to respond moving forward, right? right. Yeah, because I think, I think in the, in the, if there was a lack of awareness there, I know that my tendency would be to, I know my tendency is to shut down mm-hmm. and withdraw. Yeah. You know, and even yeah. now there are times where I, I definitely have to fight that. Like I, if I feel wounded or I feel, I don't feel seen Mm -hmm. or I feel like I'm giving all this effort here. And like you said, there's no reciprocity or it's not, you know, it's not honored. My tendency is going to be like, well, forget you then (laughs) shut down and then don't try anymore because my efforts fall, you know, fall into the void. Right. But to your point, it's about aligning yourself with people who, you know, who can, who can meet you where you're at, who are compatible with who mm-hmm. you are. That's a whole other topic, but, um, right. 
but yeah, so like that, that, that vulnerability piece and, you know, just kind of knowing where your limits are, but then also embracing those things. So if I'm shutting down because mm-hmm. somebody rejects my, you know, maybe rejects my efforts or doesn't reciprocate my efforts, then I'm also denying that part of myself. And then that disconnects yeah. me from who I am yep. and leads to inauthenticity. Yep. Right. And so really mm-hmm. what I need to do is acknowledge in that moment, really get, again, get curious, ask, okay, what is this about then? Like, are we maybe not, is this mm-hmm. not a compatible like arrangement? Um, do I need to maybe have some boundaries here? Maybe this is somebody that I just mm-hmm. isn't the safest person for me. And that doesn't mean you got to cut mm-hmm. everybody out of your life, but you know, maybe this is just somebody that I just, I don't share the, I don't share certain things with. Yeah. I don't make as much effort toward because that's just not, that's just not the kind of friendship it's going to be. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. all that to say, it takes some time. It takes curiosity. It, does, it takes yeah. awareness. Um, and you know, we never stop growing in those things. For sure. So I think, you know, if you're someone who struggles identifying your qualities, your your identity versus your role, um, we're going to put the quality sheet that I was talking about in the show notes so you can reflect on that and kind of see if you can, you know, connect with that. But it might be helpful to, to start by writing maybe a list of qualities that you value. Or, you know, if you have a friend that you really value, qualities you see in them. Um, and then maybe writing out your roles. I think roles are a little bit easier to identify. Yeah, like, because you know that you are a mom, you know that you, you know, are a friend, you know that you uh, are on this, you know, nonprofit board. I mean, whatever. Like, roles are just what we do. So that's a little bit easier to identify. Um, because I think when you think about, um, you know, your identity, it's a little bit harder if you struggle with confidence to be able to say, like, I am these things if you struggle believing them. Um so yeah, so I think if you write out your roles, you can then ask, what do I do in those roles? So for example, as a mother, I listen, I nurture, I affirm, I connect, I correct, right? So this tells me some qualities about myself and information about myself. And so I think those are some kind of ways to kind of figure out, begin to, to begin to figure out what your role versus your identity is and begin kind of integrating them into each other. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit more about some ideas of, you know, integrating some of those parts. Yeah. So we touched briefly on integration and that too is a, that's going to be a process. And I think like if you are somebody, if you are somebody that has a lot of trauma, you likely Mm -hmm. are, that's really hard. You likely are not a super integrated person just, just because of the trauma. And so highly encourage that you get into some therapy with a trauma informed therapist. That's very important. Um, But some simple ways to get started in connecting with, all the parts of who you are. Number one, practice self-compassion. That This is one of the simplest mm-hmm. and yet most complicated and profound things that you can do. It sounds super simple, like yep. be nicer to yourself, talk nicer to yourself, right? Yeah. But it really is a practice yeah, and it really so is hard. an unraveling yeah. of the way, the really destructive ways in which we've learned to internalize things and talk to ourselves. Um, maybe the voices you hear in your head above of your parents or your peers or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, self-compassion could be its own topic, but one resource real quick on that is Kristen Neff. Like her whole life work is self-compassion and you can find her stuff at selfcompassion.org. There are a million ways to get mm-hmm. started there. There are practices, there are like guided meditative practices, there are written practices. Um, so that's a great place to get started. Another way to work towards integration is by creating something. That could be anything. Creativity spans every, every you know, every hobby, every every outlet. So like, for example, my mother-in-law is like a genius at refabbing Mm -hmm. furniture and she does a beautiful, beautiful job. I'm not good at that. Right. But I can write and I can manipulate words 
and mm -hmm. I love music <laughs> and those kinds of things. Right. So it doesn't have to be anything like amazing or world changing, but just create something, paint. You don't even have to be good at it. <laughs> just be, cre yeah. just be creative and just see how that feels yeah. to you. And if mm -hmm. there's a, a connection there for you. Hold something that makes you feel grounded or connected. So an easy mm -hmm. example of this is like to hold a rock outside or hold a flower or mm -hmm. a blade of grass. Yeah. See yeah. how connected that allows you to feel. Imagine a time where you felt really integrated. Um, and this is something that you might have to work towards. So, and what I mean by that mm -hmm. is like really connected. A time that you felt like really connected, really grounded, really who you, you know, true to who you are. are. Um, imagine that time and notice how that feels versus how the disconnection mm -hmm. feels and get really curious about what's inside what's inside the experience of feeling integrated and what's in inside the experience of feeling disconnected. Practicing awareness um, around those things. And then most importantly, working towards pursuing healing. Wounds need mm -hmm. to be healed in order to be integrated and in order to bring the wounded parts our of ourselves into a whole. And absent yeah. of healing those things you cannot integrate all the parts of who you are and so once again if that means you have to embrace a therapeutic process go for it don't mm -hmm. be scared and i just i just want to say to you like healing is possible it, it is possible yes it makes me feel teary because i have so many clients and even for me like my healing process from before and then like we've shared before like we both engage in therapy just for our own emotional health um, I'm a really healthy functioning adult. Like I, there's things that I have unraveled that I didn't even know needed to be healed right. that have been so like life giving and beautiful to like me, but like that trickle effect, right? So like how I mom my children, how I connect to other people, yes. how much better I am for my clients, like walking through some of those tender parts of me that were, um, just wounded that I didn't know. Like I thought, not that I thought I healed them all, but like with all of my health concerns that have come up in the last five years, which you talked about in a previous podcast of physical stuff, it kind of forced me into going back for support. And it's interesting, right. like I was, I was not integrating that part of me because I was not being kind to that part of me because it was hurting, you know? Right. And so it's interesting to think about, you don't even have to be like unable to function or super depressed. I mean, it can just be, I just can't connect with myself or I just need some extra support. Um, that the amount of healing that's possible that you don't always know is amazing. I had a friend I met for coffee a couple weeks ago and um, her adult daughter was struggling with like just kind of some confident stuff. And I talked to her a while ago and said, you know, you should really think about doing some EMDR and, and getting in to see somebody who can help you figure that out. Cause it was really affecting her voice at work. And um, she's just very timid and she's about to get married. And so, you know, being at my stage of life, like I feel protective. Like I want you to work through that so it doesn't cost you later. And so my friend said, yeah, she went on a wait list. And then by the time they called, she didn't need it anymore. And I said, oh, we always need it. I said, that was, I said that, I said that probably was the best time to go because she probably felt more stable. So yeah. that would have been a great place to engage. And yeah. she said, oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. So I think we often think like, oh, we feel better. So we're better. Right. Which maybe, but like feeling better doesn't mean that it's healed. There's a difference, right. right? Feeling free is different than feeling better. Right. There's a difference. And the other thing is too, like to your point, Rachel, I think it's not that you thought everything was healed. It's that you didn't know all the wounds that you had. I didn't know. And that's oh, I the didn't thing. know. You don't, yeah. you don't, sometimes you don't know. We just function out of like all yeah. this subconscious garbage that's happening. Yeah. 
you know, and that's been programmed there. And we don't always yeah. know what our wounds are and you can't discover what they yeah. are until you start doing the work of really exploring yeah. and getting curious. And one of the best ways to do that is to partner with an objective third party. Yep. A one-on-one, yeah. AKA a therapist yeah. to help you yep. explore that and help you uncover that and help you heal from that. It's so, so good. So good. Yeah. So as Kara said, we're going to start diving diving into some therapy talk in the next few weeks. Not, not, not that we don't talk therapy all the other times, but um, kind of what, what, why do we pursue therapy? How to find a good therapist? Um, how to find a good fit? Mm. And then we'll talk about things like ethical practice, um, types of therapy modalities and that sort of thing. So stay tuned. We're really excited to kind of educate you and tell you all the beautiful options that you can are available you can dive into absolutely for sure (laughs) all right well thanks for joining us today thanks for joining it's a pleasure as always and don't forget to check our show notes for some for some cool resources and we will catch you next time here on therapy sisters bye for now Thanks for joining the Therapy Sisters today for our episode. We're so glad you're here. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And if you want more, please feel free to connect with us on Facebook at the Therapy Sisters podcast, on Instagram at the underscore therapy underscore sisters, or feel free to shoot us an email at thetherapysisters at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can support us is to leave a five-star review. We look forward to connecting again next Tuesday. Over and out. <laughs>